Now, it's time to think and discern. This is Bob Bernie Live. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of Bob Bernie Live. Here's my telephone number, 877-BOB-LIVE. 877-262-5483. I had not planned on saying anything more about the whole Russia-Ukraine thing. But during the break, I came across an analysis of uh, the contrast between Russia and Ukraine as far as their military is concerned. Um, without outside help, if Russia were to attack, and if you were listening earlier, I, I don't think they're going to. I hope they don't. Uh, but but if they do, Ukraine doesn't have a chance. Can, can I give you the statistics in the imbalance militarily between Russia and Ukraine? All right, first, ground forces. Active personnel. Russia has 850,000 active ground troops. Ukraine has 200,000. What about the Air Force? Russia has 4,173 aircraft. Ukraine, 318. What about their Navy? The Russian Navy has 605 ships in their Navy. Ukraine has 38. What about tanks? And yes, even with all of the advances in warfare, tanks are still very important. We saw that in Desert Storm and so forth. Tanks. Russia has 12,420. Ukraine 2,596. Now, we talked about their air force, their total air force, but what about actual fighter aircraft? Fighter aircraft. Russia, 772. Ukraine, 69. Uh, Armored vehicles, Russia has 30,122. Ukraine, 12,000. Attack helicopters, which in a ground war would be very, very important. Uh, Russia has 544 attack helicopters. Uh, Ukraine has 34. And uh, then destroyers. We looked at the total naval fleet before, but as far as destroyers are concerned, Russia has 35. Ukraine has Zero. None. None whatsoever. So the uh, the unbalance between Russia and Ukraine, talk about David and Goliath. Um, and if you were listening earlier, I think the saddest thing are the people of Ukraine are the pawns in this. And I've only been there once. I was in Ukraine once for a few days. And we actually traveled in a vehicle from Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, to Moscow. It took us several days, and we were 
delivering Bibles along the way. But I have friends, I have missionary friends living in Ukraine, and uh, they've been there for years, so they're very, very in touch with the people. They're telling me that the majority of the people in Ukraine are not sympathetic to Russia. They are sympathetic to the West, to Europe, to America, and so forth. They are not sympathetic to Russia. And um, some of them are very, very frightened. And once again, I'm not an expert on this, but I think it was I think it was a terrible thing to do for the United States of America to evacuate our embassy completely, totally. We didn't do that until we had to in Afghanistan. And so in Ukraine, days, maybe even weeks before an invasion that may not happen at all, we we completely abandoned our U.S. embassy. What does that? What does that say to the people of Ukraine as far as our friendship with them? And of course, Americans were told two or three weeks ago to get out of the country. Every American has been told by the American government, "You need to get out of Ukraine because if an invasion occurs, we will not, we cannot rescue you. We're not even going to try. You will be on your." own these um these are different times concerning america's role in the world no we're not to be the world's policemen um we shouldn't be into nation building and i i agree with that but as far as being a force to be reckoned with we have literally become a paper tiger. And I, I don't know about you, but I just find that sad. So continue to pray for the folks in Ukraine. The Christian church, the evangelical church in Ukraine is very, very, very strong and growing rapidly. Um, had the And again, this was... Oh, my goodness, it's probably been 10 years since I was in Ukraine. But we visited several churches that were just on fire for the Lord, growing, growing rapidly. The church is very, very active in Ukraine. And obviously with the Russian invasion, those are brothers and sisters in Christ whose lives will be at stake. Uh, Just quickly before the break, uh, President Biden's approval rating across the board is falling. But probably the most significant and the most shocking is the drop of support in the Protestant black community. Uh, When Joe Biden was elected, he had 92 percent support from black Protestants, 92% at the time of the election. Fast forward one year later, 65%. Now, that's still a majority, but my goodness, that's nearly a 30% drop in one year. That is 
almost unheard of. The um, the black community as a whole, not just black Protestants, but the black community as a whole, is beginning to wake up and realize this presidential administration is not really their friend. A 30% drop among black Protestants. Uh, Catholics, on the other hand, uh, 46% of Catholics approve of uh, President Biden's job performance. That's a drop from 56% from a year ago. So that's a 10% drop among uh, Catholics. Um, The same survey found 14% of white evangelicals approve of Biden's job performance, and that is down from 22%. I, I, I... I find it hard to believe that a year ago, 22% of white evangelicals supported Joe Biden, but that's what the survey said. Uh, white Protestants, uh, white evangelicals support is 14% among white Protestants. Uh, a year ago, it was 40%, and now it is 31%. And that's... Uh, White Protestants, primarily the liberal mainline Protestant denominations. So he is hurting in, in, in every demographic, and he has lost more, pardon me, he has lost more support in the black community than any other demographic. That should be very, very troublesome for our Democrats in general and particularly the president. All right, my number, 877-BOB-LIVE, 877-262-5483. And, of course, I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call. Let's talk. 877-BOB-LIVE. Stay tuned. You hang around. I'll hang around. We'll be back. Today's news, God's Word, and your thoughts. This is Bob Bernie Live. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, I don't think ever a day goes by, even weekends, where I do not receive offers to interview uh, an author uh, every day. Uh, sometimes two, three, four, five. Uh, it would not be that unusual for me to get 10 author interview requests in a single day. Um, I receive many, 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 many books unsolicited from publishers and from authors. Please interview me. Please interview this author and so on and so forth. Um yeah. If you ever see my desk in my office, it is stacked high with books because I I get so many of them. Um, If you're a regular listener, you know, I I don't do a whole lot of author interviews unless a book really catches my attention. And I think it's something that would be of great benefit to you. So I just 
I just don't do many author interviews, uh, which is a little different, a little unique in uh, Christian talk radio. Christian talk radio, there are just a lot of author interviews, and I'm not criticizing the people who do that. It's just, it's just not my thing. Well, I don't often get a uh, a request for an author interview like this one. Got it today. In fact, I got it this afternoon from a, a publishing company that I have never heard of. And now I won't even give it to you because I don't want to give them any publicity. But it's some publishing company that I've never heard of. Anyway, this publishing company wants me to interview the author of a new book by the name of Lucianity. Lucianity, L-U-C-I-A-N-I-T-Y. Now, I'm not trying to give this book any uh, any publicity because I hope, I pray, you don't order it. But listen to this. The name of the book is Lucianity. The author is a guy by the name of John Byer who calls himself a Bible detective. Yeah, a Bible detective. The uh, the full name of the book is Lucianity, the Perverse Religion of Christians. And then the subtitle, How Do I Know? The Bible Tells Me So. Well, that piqued my interest, my attention, and on the cover of the book is a cross. Hey, anytime I see a cross... It catches my attention. Here is the summary from the uh, publisher. Lucianity, the perverse religion of Christians, Lucianity reports a 2,000-year-old cold case of forgery where it is revealed that Lucius, the keeper of early church records, corrupted about 75% of the New Testament under the deceased apostles' names, except for Luke's Gospel and Acts, since Lucius was Luke. Almost every Bible event is identified as his fiction. In other words, the physical ascension, rapture, transfiguration, the second coming, and many, many more. Lucius wrote almost all the epistles in the Bible and even used books by Flavius, Josephus, and ancient Egyptians to write Matthew 24 and Revelation, where he attributes false dialogue to Jesus. Yeah. So in other words, this educated idiot who calls himself a Bible detective, after 2,000 years... He now is going to tell us the truth. Those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, forgeries, fakes, false, fake news, false reporting, false stories. Why? Well, because he has discovered a secret that no one else has ever discovered. Now, not only is that arrogance on steroids, I uh, 
if you listen to me often, I got a little, I got a little, a lot of little sayings. Devil lives in the extremes. Uh, the whole thing about once you start to travel down a road, don't look where it'll take you in a mile or a hundred miles. Look where it'll take you in a thousand miles and so forth. And a whole bunch of others. One of them <clears throat> that I adopted years ago, although I have not mentioned it recently, is this. If it's new, it's not. Now, you can spell the not N-O-T or N-A-U-G-H-T. If it's new, it's not. What do I mean by that? If anybody, I don't care who they are, comes up with something biblical that no one else has ever seen, forget it, reject it. That's not the way God works. It's like the it's like the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith wanted us to believe that God hid the real truth about Jesus and God and heaven and hell. He hid that for eighteen hundred years. All of those people that lived in those previous eighteen hundred years, they didn't know. God hid it from them. It was a secret. And he finally, after 1,800 years, revealed it to Joseph Smith. Seriously, is that the way God works? Is that the God that we know and serve? I don't think so. And through the years, I have seen book after book, author after author, teacher after teacher, preacher after preacher come up with something new. It's a new doctrine. It's a new theory. It's a new philosophy. Nobody else has seen it. I'm the first one. I am the only one to ever interpret this verse of Scripture this way. I have found the secret of something in Luke, Mark, Acts, Romans, the Revelation. If it's new, it's not. Hey, listen. I come up all the time with things in the Bible I've never seen before. But I have never once assumed that I'm the first one to see it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Lucianity. <clears throat> if they send me a copy, I know exactly where it's going to go. <laughs> 